Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. There's no denying that every choice we make has a direct consequence whether it's small actions that compound daily or a giant leap into the unknown, our choices equal our results. Today's guest has seen that clearly. While his university peers were partying or travelling, Peter Cristianto with Jaja was studying and building his own software construction company, Hubble. In today's inspiring episode, Peter shares the isolation and struggle that being an entrepreneur can bring, why we shouldn't judge others for making the choices that they make and how the struggle really does pay off in the end. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us in our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome, Peter. Peter. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I was actually quite honored. I was quite surprised that the invitations come. So like, oh, cool. What is this? Yeah. Oh, awesome. I love that. You and I recently connected. And when I looked into you and all of the incredible work you're doing in AI, in the construction industry, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Great. Thanks. Thanks so much for inviting me here. Awesome. For those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Great. Yeah, so I'm Peter. I'm currently the Chief Technology Officer, CTO for Hubble. We are a construction tech startup based in Singapore. We were founded in 2016, pretty much got our Series B early in the years, and we are looking to transform the construction landscapes. So cool. So cool, Peter. It's so cool. And, you know, I think... Uh, my family's in the construction industry. And so it was so interesting for me, yeah, to do a bit of a deep dive into your business. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? So I'm currently based in Singapore. Like what I said, the business started in Singapore, but I'm actually Indonesian. So I grew up in Indonesia for like a good pretty much the whole childhood, up to like 15 years old. After that, I moved to Singapore to pursue my studies here. Um, and pretty much from there, stay in Singapore. I'm having identity crisis, to be fair. You know, like, am I Indonesians? I'm still Indonesians. I'm holding Indonesian passport. But, you know, having that dual identity sort of makes me slightly different in terms of like how I think about businesses and about like what I want to do. Because in Indonesia... Pretty much my parents are both self-employed. Well, my dad is in the construction business and that's why it's sort of related. My mom is also having her own business. Um, well, it's, it's not like a big business, but it's pretty much self-run. And that's sort of like something that I grew up with. So when I come to Singapore, a lot of like the peers, essentially, they want to just finish studying and then go to the workforce, like, you know, join a, a big companies and whatever. For me, it's a bit like... Mm, I think that sounds boring. Like, I feel the life that my parents are living is pretty interesting because they have full control of what they want to do. Like, okay, I want to take holidays today. I want to, like, go and visit my child the next day. It's pretty much there. So that's sort of, like, how I think about it. So in Singapore, it's harder versus in Indonesia just because it's smaller and, you know, pretty much everything is here. So when the opportunities comes for me to create this business with my partners, then, you know, I just take it and roll with it. I always love asking that question because I think, you know, what our parents did and where we grew up really does reflect on us so much and it helps shape us. So I find that really interesting to entrepreneurs as parents and Indonesia. I guess for you, you know, moving across to Singapore at still quite a young age, you mentioned identity crisis. What was that like for you? I can't even imagine, you know, and how did you navigate through that time and all that change? So just a context as well, I'm the only child. So when I moved to Singapore, it's a bit of conflicting feelings whereby in one way, because I long for that freedom from my parents. They're like, hey, um, you know, I always have the full attention. I need freedom. So when I move, sort of that is liberating. But at the same time, it's somewhere that's foreign. Like you don't know what's going on. And I'm alone. So when I moved, I'm essentially just myself. I take the plane to Singapore live in the dorm. So I look back, there's a lot of like homesick, but it's, it's not so bad because I really want that freedom to like just make my own life decision. But it was 15 years old. So, you know, it's pretty young. So I'm not sure what I'm thinking. I don't know what my parents were thinking then. Like they just sent me outside to Singapore, but I guess they feel that Singapore is safer, like pretty safe compared to like other countries, at least in Asia. And it's not so far, so they can always fly and like, you know, visit if needed. For our peers out there listening who perhaps maybe it was at a young age or maybe it was later on, they've taken that leap and they've, or they're thinking about taking that leap and going off to a new place, leaving home, leaving the nest, leaving the parents, everything. But 
you know, they're scared to do so. It feels uncomfortable. Who knows what's on the other side, you know, whether it is deciding to move to the UK at 30 years old or whether it was yourself at 15, you know, moving over to Singapore. What advice would you give to us around getting comfortable with the unknown? To put it easy, right, the motto that I always live with is that you will not regret things that you do. You'll regret things that you don't do more. If you're longing for something and you always think about it, that, hey, I should have done this. I should move away from, like, the country that I've lived in or where I'm comfortable with. I want to start this out. I want to do this, do that, just try it out. My suggestion is just, just try it. Especially if you're younger, that's always works better because, you know, less risk. But once you start having families, your responsibility is there. It's a bit tougher, but I would, I would still say, obviously discuss it with the significant people that will be affected. But there's nothing called too late, right? You know, even if you're 50 years old, hey, I want to like start a fried chicken business like KFC. It's like, go ahead and start it out. Like you never know. The thing is that you don't want at the end of your life and then you start, I should have done that. I should have done this. That is more painful than like, oh, at least I know this is not going to work and I should always go back. Because you know the place where you're comfortable with is somewhere that you can always go back to. So my parents being an entrepreneur themselves, they actually don't want me to like set my own business. So they want me to like the usual routes of like, hey, just go to a big companies, climb the ladders and, you know, be successful there. I can agree to that. It's sort of a safe route. But when I graduated and then I told my parents that, hey, I'm doing this, my argument is that, hey, if this is not successful, I should learn more than if I join outside there and I can always go back. It can be so scary, though, Peter, you know, taking the leap, right? How do we navigate through that fear and almost this idea around not wanting to be too different and wondering what people are going to say about us? I mean, I remember when I started, I was thinking, hope people don't know that I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I hope people don't think badly of what I'm doing. What? How do we deal with imposter syndrome and kind of getting through the fear? That is Actually, a very, very good question. So when I started, right, you labeled yourself like CTO, like a C-level people. And then like your family asks you, so what are you doing? I always have that imposter syndrome. Like, oh, I'm just like a software engineer. I will always say that. You know, I don't say myself, hey, I'm a CTO of this company that I'm running. I'm like, yeah, I'm so young. I have no experience. Like, what are you going to think about me? But they don't really affect me. Like their opinion about me doesn't really affect me anyhow followers counts and all the engagements doesn't really affect my revenues or my self-worth. I see people that got into depression just because of what other people think or even worse, what strangers think about them. And the thing is, they're strangers. They're not even like families because now there's like young founders asking me about like, what's the tips to like run the business? I'll say, you need to be comfortable with yourself. That's the key, right? You need to have peace that you are now doing something that is different. You're not like, an employee of someone, you're self-employed, you have to trust your vision, you have to trust what you're doing is going to be successful and doesn't matter what people say. So you learn how to close your eyes and close your ears about what people say about you. I will say for me, I'm a pretty practical guy. So once I come to the piece, I'm like, yeah, they don't affect me. They are not my clients, right? I care more about like what clients think is about my product. I don't care about what you think about me because I will let the result speak for myself. I think it's the same, like, you know, when you started a podcast, it's like, oh, it's just a podcast? You're interviewing people? Like, what's going on? Like, you know, why are you not a doctor? Why are you not a lawyer? It's like, you know, the kind of questions. 
No, I think it's so valuable and so important to talk about because I think that idea around imposter syndrome, that idea around the fear, it's absolutely real. And I feel like as entrepreneurs, we don't talk about it enough. And so I guess for you, you know, was there a time in your journey where you felt complete imposter syndrome? Like I should have listened to what my parents said. What am I doing? You know, and if so, how did you navigate that? I did have that because, you know, running a business is not just like, oh, it's successful, you've got fundings, and then you go on. It's a very high stressful kind of situations all the time, in fact, that, you know, sometimes you just, why am I so stressed about things? Like, and then you see your friends, like the same age, they are like partying somewhere, they are like going abroad for their holidays, and then you're spending your weekends like building stuff and like working. And then, you know, your parents be like, hey, this blah, 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 is getting promoted. Where are you now? You know, that always comes into play. And that's really, really hard to like come to a peace with, you know. But for me, it's just that I'm fully trust in like what I'm doing, that I know that, okay, this is going to be good. But at the same time, you also need to think practically because you need to know when to like bail. Like, just okay, this is not going to work, right? Because you don't want to waste time on things as you know it's going to fail anyway. You need to know how to let go of things. But I will say, give yourself the benefit of the doubt. That's very, very important. Don't just blindly follow what people think about you or people's opinion. You have to trust yourself more. I think that's what's lacking in a lot of people, especially young founders, because they're young. And then people say, yeah, you're still young. You don't know what's out there exactly. And that's why they have the courage to like do it. Because if you know what's out there, you might not even go there, right? So that's usually what I said to like people. Such valuable advice. I want to talk a little bit about the early days. You know, the idea, where did this come about? What were those first few steps that you took to take get it off the ground? I think at the time you started this, you were like second year uni or third year university. You know, you were still super young. You know, what did that time look like for you? That was that was intense because now that I look back, because everyone was like, you're crazy, like, you know, at that time. I was on the third year of university. I just finished my internship at one of the consulting firms. So what happened is that in that internships, I know what I don't want to do. And then during that time, my co-founder is looking for a technical co-founders to like, he has some projects, which is not this one. It was just some other projects. And I got connected to our mutual friends. And then he was like, hey, why don't we do it for fun? Now, my train of thoughts then was like, hey, I'm in school. School is boring. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. Let me just try it out. Because for me, this is like a no-loss kind of scenario. It's like, okay, if this doesn't work, I'm still in school. I'll just study, get my degree, go out. I still can go and work. But when I dive in, it was getting intense because like, hey, you are not treated as an intern anymore. You have full responsibility for what you're doing. We are dealing with like real clients, real business use cases. I'm meeting the real people that is using the products. And we're talking about like revenues that affects people's life. Because you've got no revenue, you can't pay salary to the people that work. That hits me hard, essentially, when I was third year. Now, if you ask the friends there, or like my wife, then was my girlfriend, I was like full-time work and then like part-time uni, which is true. I missed a lot of classes. I only attended like maybe the exams, most of the lectures. I will be there, but I'm like doing my own work. But I realized that that is actually taught me more than the school itself. I'm not saying school is bad. I'm just for me. It's boring. The rules from my parents then was like, if I don't maintain my GPAs, I got to quit the business. So for them then, my grades matters more than the business. 
So that becomes my rules as well for myself. That like, okay, I just have to maintain the grades as long as I'm there. I'm good. I can do whatever I want. And luckily, I managed to do it. It's very, very close to not maintaining the grades, but I pull it through. So this is where you know when I said it's lonely because you know in university, it's all about the party life, the fun, go out with friends. You know, I couldn't afford to do that. I just have no time because the day is spent doing the work. So I got to caught up with my studies at night, you know. So this is where, you know, imposter syndrome comes in again. Like, should I just not do the work? But I'm glad with my choices, I guess. I really appreciate yeah. you sharing that with us because I think so many of us, you know, experience that idea of feeling that imposter syndrome, whether it's university, whether it's in the workforce or whether it's in our own businesses so much. You know, for our peers out there listening who perhaps are feeling that loneliness you know, they've just started out, they're trying to juggle their day job and then their business on the side. You feel so isolated almost. You know, what advice would you give to us about navigating through that? I guess at the end of the day, you have to know the priority of your life because what I always tell people is that we should not judge people. So if people want to have fun, don't judge them. Like, why are you always partying? No, don't judge them. It's their choice. It's the same as people that start a business. Why are you always on your business? You never attend all these fun activities. Don't judge them. And the thing is that we live with our consequences. So we know that if we don't go out and meet with friends, we might not become their friends anymore. But again, what is your trade-offs? Now, I'm running a business. If this business is successful, you're going to do great. And this is that's why it's important that the things that you're doing, you need to be passionate about it. You can't be doing business that you don't like or you're forced to do it. And then you're lonely. They just suck, right? But if it's something that you have truly have genuine interest with or you find it even interesting and you know, you're know willing to spend the time, then it's worth it. Because you know that, hey, I'm just leaving the fun part, but I'm doing something that's going to be worth it, right? There's a goal. So you trust the goal. So for example, if you're running your day job and then you have your side hustles that you're sort of like passionate about, then the question is that you need the day job because your side hustle is not making money yet, right? But you know if that your side hustles will take you somewhere, if it takes you somewhere, it will liberate you from like whatever that you're doing. And that's what you want to go in your life. And that should keep you going. Because what's the worst that can happen? You know, but just balance it out. Balance it out. Everyone has the same number of hours they lift every day. Now, whatever you do with your time is your choice. And you've got to live with the consequences. So if you choose to party today, what impact is going to bring you? I love how you mentioned balance. I have such an interesting relationship with that word and that concept personally. You know, for our peers out there who feel like they aren't achieving balance and whatever that means, what advice would you give to us around not getting too discouraged by that? You know, I think so many of us right now, it's, oh, find balance in your life, do balance. But when you're hustling hard on your day job and your side hustle, you're just working, you know. What's your take on this idea of balance and what advice would you give to our peers out there listening on that? Again, I think the whole concept of balance gears towards there's a singular balance that people have to achieve. Whereby, okay, you work for eight hours, you rest one out of four hours, you sleep for eight hours, and then you take holidays for like two weeks somewhere every year. Everybody has the same kind of balance. Now, I will say, I don't know, but I tend to think that everybody has different kind of balance. 
Now you have to find your own balance. The balance might change depending on the stage of your life and your business and your careers. If you're okay with like working for 10 hours a day and you feel that's a peak because after 10 hours, you pretty much just get pissed off at everything. You're not going to produce anything. Then don't force yourself to work. It's just no point. Take a break, sleep, go to the gym, run, whatever. That makes you relax, right? But some people can work 14 hours. Go ahead, work on 14 hours, right? At that stage. But it might be that it can only sustain for like two years. Then after that, you get burned out. Burning out is another issue. But by founders tend to like, oh, I don't need balance. Let me just work 24 hours, just sleep for three hours. And then after six months, they're like, oh, I'm dead. This is not going to work. Just understanding the concept of like your choices of what you are doing have implications. And the question is that you have to come to a peace with that consequences. I love it, Peter. Oh, Peter, we could talk for days and days. I am mindful of your time though. So I have a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? I will say for failures is that, I will say it's more personal. There's a moment whereby I've adopted myself. As a founder, you can't show that vulnerabilities to your peers because they will like lose confidence in you. So you got to always do that. And then I made some weird choices in the business that sort of, we made losses and I have to take it, right? As, as a CTO of that, yeah, it's my fault. And for me to do that and people actually question me about it, there's a lot of like loss of confidence. I was even thinking at one point, I was talking to my colleagues, like, should we just hire a more senior CTOs and just, I become like just a manager or like engineers and just helping you guys out? Because I was just feel that I'm not there. I'm so young. I don't know anything about running business. I don't know anything about running teams. I don't even expose to like as a CTO engineering stuff. How can I lead these people that is like better than me and way more experienced than me? That was, I would say, the failures. It's haunting. It's really haunting. Like, I lose confidence in like making even like the easiest decisions. Like there's a lot of what ifs, right? So it's like, what if it fails? What if it's like that? And then my not making decisions actually costs more than if the decision is wrong in the first place. So that was like pretty sad days, I will say, pretty discouraging days. But then what happened was that I started talking to like people in the communities, like CTOs and CEOs and founders. And I realized actually they don't know anything or so. We are in a simple. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> we just, we just trying to grapple just things and up. like, yeah, just <laughs> make it up. Like just act like we're confident <laughs> about our choices, but we don't. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, actually yeah. it's the same, right? It's the same out there. Like people pretty much don't know anything what they're doing. They're just trying to survive. They're just trying to figure things out. They know what failed, right? So at least we learn from each other's failures, but they don't know what actually will make them successful. So, you know, people are still figuring that out. I mean, there's no book. You can read all the books, but it's different, right? So that's when I start getting confidence back, you know, and I learned to be vulnerable with my team, especially the core teams, like the, the people that I trust. And that if I'm not confident, I'll share with them. I'm not confident, but I'm going to make the choice. And this is why. And they respect that. And I realized that when I've been vulnerable and being open with these people, why at the same time be firm with my decisions, they will actually back me up. So even if I make the wrong decisions, they were like, it's cool. It's cool. Just got to fix it. Right? And I would say that recovery is, I'm pretty proud of that, that I can recover. Because I'm, that close to like maybe should not continue these things like you know but I really focus on this like if you talk about success and failures I will say it's personal it doesn't matter what accolades you have like out there 
if you don't feel you're successful or you don't feel you failed, nothing really matters, you know? Yeah. So valuable. So true, Peter. I love that you shared that with us. So look, Peter, over the last over seven years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received a lot of external recognition. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? Hmm. I think one is that the understanding that people also don't know, which I just shared, that when you are in this running of the business, really there's no right or wrong and that your result speaks. So that actually, if I knew that from the start, that doesn't mean you also don't listen to people, but you always take it with a pinch of salt. And it will give me more confidence in terms of running it, making some decisions. And the second thing is that there's always a solutions out there. And the solutions might not be with yourself. I hate to admit this, but it comes with age. So there's always problems, actually technical problems, because I'm dealing with the technical problems that I can't solve. Like, it's just way beyond my years. or I just don't know what's going on. So what my CEO, my co-founders always tell me is talk to people out there. Get creative with your solutions. Because it's not a university or school project whereby, oh, you got to do it yourself. There's a turn it in checks. You can't copy people's project and whatever. You can hire people to do the homework for you. In business, you can do all these things. Right, so there is always a solutions out there, and you got to be creative. You talk, expose yourself, talk to people, and you will figure out something out. You know, um, that's I would say the second thing. I would say the thing which is applicable to everyone is just that time is the key. Time is the only finite resource that everyone has, so that's sort of like level out the playing fields. Now, whatever you do, then you can't turn that back. So I have to do something that I'm not going to regret. So if I were to go party, I would better party hard and not regret that, oh, I'm halfway there. There's always a moment where I'm not in the moment. So I choose to like, okay, let's play basketball with my friends, but I'm not actually in that basketball games. I was like thinking about something else. Like when I'm on holiday, I'm not actually on the holiday. I'm like thinking about something else. You can't rewrite the history. So the choices that you made have implications. So always choose something that you should not regret. So, so valuable, Peter. Look, Peter, before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us and particularly us young, ambitious millennials that if we have that vision, that goal and that dream, although it may take a hell of a lot of hard work and we may have to sacrifice, we can make it happen. We just have to stay true to ourselves in the process and also remember that we need to be living in the moment. So for that, we really appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks. Amazing. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I will say again, if you are pursuing something that you're passionate about, your work doesn't feel like work. People like complaining about their work. Oh, my boss sucks. I don't like this work. And I always give them one question after they rant about the work. Like, what are you going to do about it? As humans, we have full control of our life. If you don't like something, you have full control of your life to like not do that. Now, the question is that, why are you doing that? 
Why are you in that business? Why are you working for that particular company? You have to come to terms with that, right? Now, doesn't mean pursuing what you're passionate means that you always work on something you're passionate. Sometimes the work itself is just pull through to pay the taxes and pay the bills, and that's okay. But you need to have something that you pursue that you genuinely have interest with that you're passionate about. Because if not, it's gonna lose your life. Your life's gonna be so boring. I'm not sure. It's gonna be like, neither just gonna work, go home and just eat dinner, watch Netflix, sleep, repeat. And you know, if you want different results, because people talk about, hey, I want to be different in the world. I want to be like someone that make an impact. You can't do the same thing that other people do and expecting a different results. So do something about it, and you will feel that your life actually has values, and you feel happy. Because for me, my utmost goal is happiness. It's like even if I work hard and I'm in stress, I have to be happy with what I'm doing. And I will say pursuing something I'm passionate about, which is what I'm doing now at work. And also mentoring people, you know, it's something that really brings value to me. I feel happy. After the podcast, I will say I feel great. I feel rejuvenated. I can go back to work and start doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we love it, Peter. We're definitely feeling the energy and the vibes. And it's just been so awesome to have you on the show. So where can we learn more about you and Hubble? Well, we have our website, which is at um, HTTP, Hubble.build. We are still mainly operating in Singapore, but we have teams all over. I would say now it's still Asia. Southeast Asia, especially Vietnam, Philippines, Indonesia. We're expanding soon out there. So the website is one good place. Or you can go to my LinkedIn at Peter K W I D J A J A. That's Peter K Vijaja, which is my Indonesian surname. I usually just repost it or post some things about the company and what I'm doing. Pretty much that. My social media is boring. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a social media person. <laughs> amazing we'll link him up in the show notes thank you so much peter it has been absolutely awesome thank you thank you so much for having me as well amazing and for everyone else listening we will end with that thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the peers to peers podcast powered by shopify remember peers We're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer, and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, If you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.